Well, hello, hello everybody. This is Monty Moran. I am a Young Living Silver. Welcome to the Monday Night Call. You know, usually I take over the first Mondays of the month, but I got this guy on the line today that, um, well, I couldn't wait another week, so uh, that's why I'm doing it this this weekend instead of next weekend. Who knows? I might even do it next weekend. I'm not sure what we have in store for next week. But uh, I have a few things to uh, talk about. One is uh, Barney Kunze has got the 2016 Young Living Summit or Success Summit rolling again, and he's got all kinds of presenters again. This time, he's made a, a really sweet deal where if you go to 2016.ylsuccesssummit.com and you put in slash early bird and early bird to be early dash bird. You get in there and you can actually get in for the pre-registration, which is a sweet deal. And then if you want even a better deal is when you go into that front page and you plug in your information. On the other side, it'll show you a promo code. If you want a sweet deal where you get 100 bucks off of the, the normal price, which would be $20 off of the early bird price, plug in M-M-O-R-A-N, and you'll get the sweet deal on that, on that one. Just talked to Barney about this not too long ago. So uh, the YL Success Summit, would the, I'm going to say it one more time. The website is 2016. YLSuccessSummit.com slash early bird with a hyphen between early and bird. And then when you go through there, just enter the promo code M-M-O-R-A-N, and you'll get a sweet deal with that. And also, this uh, it says right here on the page, too, is that when you pre-register, you get uh, you're involved in the Feature Fridays where... Every Friday leading up until October of this year, 2016, you can watch a presentation free. So, I mean, this is like Barney's going all out on these um, sweet deals. And then, um, you know, we've been getting a lot of these emails. So if you, if you see that your Monday night call email is ending up in a spam folder, that doesn't mean we spammed you. In fact, everyone who gets the email and there's over 8,000 of you, um, have either asked for it or opted it to receive the Monday Night Call email. So um, we didn't do it. It's probably either Yahoo or Hotmail that made that decision for you. So just click not spam. Don't worry about it. When, uh, when people send out that, that many emails, um, those types of groups like Yahoo and, and Hotmail, they make those decisions for you, and we don't appreciate that. But that's how that works. And then on top of that, if you're looking for, well, first of all, if you're new to the call, welcome to the call. And if you've been on the call for a long time, thank you for staying with us. We love having a loyal guest. In addition to, if you're looking for past calls, because I've been getting this email a lot, is used to be all the calls were on OurSimpleTraining.com. And we had to, well, we ran out of storage space. There were way too many calls. And so we migrated all the calls over to diamondfactorytraining.com. And in diamondfactorytraining.com, what I like to do is just opt in with an email and your password, whatever, and you'll see there's, there's, there's different categories because we thought, okay, all right, so instead of going chronological and trying to find 
everything through dates and times, let's go by uh, different categories. So if, like if you're looking for Tom Challen calls, there's, there's calls with just Tom Challen. If you're looking for calls with just me or calls with just Jen, or if you're looking for calls with just corporate, those are all in their own categories. They're all underneath Monday Night Call in their own modules. So it would be like Monday Night Call Jen Springer or Monday Night Call Young Living Corporate or Monday Night Call, and probably this is the biggest list, is um, Rockstar Distributors. And underneath there, then you can find all of them. And that's probably the easiest way to search for those. And also, if you are curious about, okay, so what's this deal with Diamond Factory System? Um, I'm just going to give you a quick link that's a really short one. It's getlgegs.com, which means when we first started out with Diamond Factory System, we started out with Live Green, Earn Green solution, meaning, all right, let's, like, let's help people green up their homes and help them maybe even make a little bit of money while they're doing that. And so that was like our very first episode with that before it came into this big monster thing that now we call the Diamond Factory system. So if you're curious about it and just like, all right, so what is this thing about? Look at this website. It's, and I shortened this up so simple. It's getgetlgegs.com, which just means getlivegreenearngreensystem.com, which is the same thing as the Diamond Factory system. That's just our, the, the very beginning part of that. Take a look at that. See what it, see what it um, see what makes sense. There's a PDF on on different things. Um, absolutely fantastic. People are raving about it in the uh, Facebook group with the Diamond Factory systems. People are raving. The people are telling us about how you know they've either done the bookmarks or they've done different promos or different Facebook ads, and I've already seen success with with uh, people. Creating interest on, you know, okay, so what is what is this all about? And people are going, what is this? And they start clicking through, and then next thing you know, people are signing people up. It's not an instantaneous thing. It is a process. These are there are sales funnels, meaning that, you know, once you get somebody's interest, they're going to come walking through the funnel, and eventually, there's got to be some sort of connection between you and them, and next and you enroll them. And who knows? They may be another a big business builder. And before I forget, because I'm notorious for this, let's do the J July promos. Um, this time I actually get a chance to see the old stuff versus like trying to like be the new guy for the month. So this should be a quick, quick preview because this is like towards the end of the week so, or end of the month. So everybody should know this by now. But this is the uh, July Lavender Harvest promo. So with the when you do the essential rewards, your bonus is going to be two five mils of lavender. And at the so just keep that in mind for all of them. So with the 190 PV, you get 15 mils of lavender. 250 PV, you get those two mils of lavender plus the lavender bath and shower gel. No, wait, oh God, I just messed that up. Hold on. So the 190 PV, you get 15 mils of lavender. 250 PV, you get the 15 mil lavender plus you get the lavender bath and shower gel. And then the 300 PV, you get the 15 mil lavender, the lavender bath and shower gel, and you get 15 mils of Progestins Plus. And I'm going to be the first one to admit this. As a guy, I do take Progestins Plus. And for uh, 
reasons I can't really explain, I'll just tell you that it helps calm a dude down at night. <laughs> Um, and it actually works pretty well. And I, there's there's other things around that, but um, it's not just a girl thing. It actually works for guys too. All right. So and then just as a reminder, the bonus of century rewards is two five mils of lavender. Okay. So right before convention, uh, we got a chance to go to a meeting um, at Sherry Ross's meeting, and we went like. Kind of like how we always do, we always go to the table in the back because we came in late. And then the back table was this guy and his parents, and we didn't know this, but they were speaking at the time, or Ryan was speaking at the time, that they were the guys that actually run the Sandalwood Farm. And so we kind of made friends, and a few pictures and texts later, we decided, all right, let's do this. So on the line with me, I have Ryan Lee. He's a district manager. Uh, and Ryan, help me if I mess this up, because I'm not, I don't have any Hawaiian blood in me. I'm on the other side. No, you're fine. La'au'ala. <laughs> La'au'ala, yes. Okay, thank you. They and I have to do one, Go ahead. I have to do one um, correction for you. We are not considered a farm for Young Living. We are a reforestation project, and I believe we're one of the only reforestation projects that Young Living has in process. Ho, ho, ho. Did you hear that? That's a big deal. So say that one more time, Ryan, because that's a big well, we, deal. And we'll go into that later. Yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a very big deal that we got that across because we don't want to be considered a farm because we don't, we don't we plant trees, but we don't plant them in plantation style. And we're a reforestation project, so the forest grows on its own organically. That's why we are the only USDA organic sandalwood oil in the world. And eco certified, GMO free, HMO free, you name it. We have the certificates of authenticity and organic certificates for almost every nation out there. Well, all right. So let me get into this one because a lot of people know sandalwood from India. And yes. for a while there, we couldn't get sandalwood. So can you explain? I'm going to go a few different directions with this one, but. So explain what the deal is with India and like why people can't get sandalwood out of India anymore. Well, so India, India um, cracked down on the exportation of sandalwood oil, sandalwood album, and made it illegal to export sandalwood album out of India because it's such a over-harvested tree in a sense. So they're killing the earth in a sense. Because they over-harvest it, they have um, what you would call as like tree pirates, where they would go into government property as sandalwood pirates and take up the entire plantation and be on their way. And they made it. So if you come onto someone else's property and you harvest a tree, they will pretty much execute you. And then in addition to that, sandalwood and India is very it's considered for gods, and it's only made for gods. The Hindus, the Muslims, you, most religions use sandalwood as a sacrilegious deity, if you would. Right. I mean, think about you know the the bracelets, the necklaces. Yeah. Mhm. What makes sandalwood paniculatum, which comes from Hawaii and only grown in Hawaii? So now tell us, Ryan, like, so sandalwood was in Hawaii, correct, before? Yes. 
Sandalwood has always been in Hawaii. It, it's one of our indigenous trees, um, Santalum paniculatum. There's a Santalum francineum. And what I found out while I was in China, I know we have some people that speak Chinese online, but Honolulu, while I was in Guangzhou and Shanghai and Nanjing, Honolulu meant Sandalwood Island because this is Hawaii's very first export project. It was the very first tax for Hawaii. Santo Antonio we used to trade it for silver and gems, and when it went to China, it was only used for the royalty. So that's what made ours have the highest international standards. We have the highest alphas and betas in sandalwood. We have the best sandalwood in the world by far. So then when you talk about the reforestation project, does that mean that the the Hawaiian sandalwood almost went into extinction in Hawaii? Well, it didn't go into it. Sand, the sandalwood tree is a very unique tree. Um, when the second king of Kamehameha, Kamehameha II went to China to take out the middleman, they stole all of his wood off of his barge, and then he outlawed the word Iliahi, which is sandalwood in Hawaiian. And everyone thought it went to extinct. This was 200 years ago. But sandalwood is a root-coping, hemiparasitic tree. If you would, they're the vampires of the forest. So they came back, and they came back very strong. And because no one knew anything about it, we had to go through every step possible to make it publicly traded, well, privately traded as we do now, to a commercial value. We had to take it off every type of endangered species list, extinction list. We had to sit there, be play state lobbyists, to make it so it's readily and available for you guys. So when you say the vampire of the forest or it's parasitic, a lot of people may not understand exactly how sandalwood grows. And sandalwood needs okay, a so, so Yes, so sandalwood trees are very, very unique tree for that reason. It does not have a taproot. In the first year of growth, if it doesn't find a host tree, it will die. It needs to get all of its nutrients and minerals from another tree. What makes sandalwood really unique, after it secures its first host, about 15 years later, it can have up to 5 to 10 hosts, but it can happen to up to 100 meters around the tree or 100 yards around the tree. And for every root coping there is to that tree, so we'll come down to a tree the only trees that we harvest has to be naturally dead or dying. When it's naturally dead or dying, it has to have 50% less canopy and has to have the bark structure has to be misconstrued in a sense. So we'll come over there, we'll chop down the tree, we'll come with an excavator, rip out its roots, and trim the root lines alone. And for every root coping to that tree, we'll grow you a whole new tree that is seven years past seed growth. Therefore, they're allowed to create their own seeds as well. And we'll have 20 to 30 new trees replace that one tree. In the time that we have been on this project, we have planted over 5 million trees from the nursery and just naturally and organically. So what's the time frame of this? Like, when did you guys start? When did we start? The Hello Aina started in 2009. So since 2009, you guys have basically reforested and replanted 5 million Sandalwood trees. trees. Not just sandalwood trees because they're a reforestation project. Sandalwood is just the best tool to use to reforest. We don't harvest any of the koa, ohia, naya, pukiave, mamani trees because we need those to stay as hosts. 
if we were to st- if we were to take those out, then we would no longer grow sandalwood trees. So we, when we plant, we plant both with sandalwood tree and a tree, and they may be eight inches apart because of that first year of growth. But we're both also growing some of the most expensive woods sold by the board foot, and one of the only woods sold by its weight and not by the board foot. Wow. So okay, so that makes sense because you guys also do really fun stuff like so do you, do you pronounce it koa k o a yeah koa so that is that's one of the host trees one of the host trees another host tree is ohia which is another indigenous plant to hawaii pukiave mamani and nile so these trees we do not take we leave those alone because they make the best host trees and you can tell a significant difference by which host tree they have just by the color of the oil. Maybe not by the alphas and betas, not by the smell, but by when it comes out of that still, they look slightly different. Yeah, those are... Uh, so, you know, I'm just looking at a website, and I'm looking at, the like, the koa uh, platter, the sushi platter. Is mm-hmm. that, like, a really hard wood, or is it a soft wood? Yeah, okay, so koa, it's, it's unique when you deal with densities of wood. Koa is considered a D6, Sandalwood is considered a D8. Just the heart is considered a D8. And then the the most dense wood in the world that I have not seen yet and apparently grows forever is uh, African sander, oh. which is considered a D10, which is supposed to be stronger than steel but takes forever to make. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. I mean, think about oak trees. Oak, oak is pretty strong too. Yeah. Those take forever to grow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Okay, so I think I've got my mind wrapped around with, um, you know, how the reforestation project works, the, how sandalwood grows and the host trees and and all that and the history. So your family itself, Ryan, what's your story? Well, it's unique the way that we're allowed to call ourselves the Royal Hawaiian Sandalwood because my family is, in a sense, also royalty. We come from the family lineage from Victoria Kamamalu. Victoria Kamamalu and Kamehameha II had a daughter named Vehi Vehi Kamamalu, and her full name is... One second, if you pull that up, it be interesting. It was uh, Mary Kavehi Vehi Okeali'i Okalani Okakamamalu. She... She had a child with Tai Hong Li, and then Tai Hong Li realized that she was royalty, so he kind of dug back out to China, and we are, in a sense, the bastard royal lineage from Victoria Kamamalu's land, and the land that we are harvesting from now on the Keoho Ahupua'a was, at one point, Victoria Kamamalu's Ahupua'a, so we are essentially buying back our own land and essentially making the Royal Hawaiian sandalwood oil. And that gives us the right to use Royal Hawaiian sandalwood oil. That's why we named it that. Wow. Okay. That, I mean, that just totally makes sense why now it's called Royal Hawaiian sandalwood. Well, you're, you're, in a sense, buying it from royalty. Right. And the, the, the way that we named our name Haloa Aina the legend of Haloa, the god Waikea, the father sky, and Ho'o Kulani, Mother Earth, gave birth to a Haloa, 
their firstborn. Hulal was a stillborn and shaped like a bulb. They wrapped it in kappa. He was placed in the earth where Hokulani cried and chanted for the loss of her son watering the grave. A plant, grew, a plant soon grew from the grave set with leaves in the shapes of hearts that collected and caressed water driplets at its center with each rainfall. Its stems were slender and swayed gracefully in the wind, as in hula playing homage in the spirits of Karen. The first taro plant produced hollow or bulbs in which to regenerate and nourish Hulua, the second-born, the healthy son of Wakea and Hokulani, the Aina, or older, Hulua Aina, would become the Aina and land of the younger. The first Hawaiian, or man, Hulua, would care for his younger brother, Aina, therefore we have our names, Hulua Aina. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um yeah, I had I had to speak the legend. <laughs> Sorry. That is quite the legend, though. I mean, it's like, wow, all right, that kind of makes sense. Well, then our mission statement for Haloa Aina, Haloa Aina is a native Hawaiian forestry and educational organization committed to economic prosperity and environmental responsibility, being guided by cultural values for a more sustainable Hawaii. So what we're doing is we're trying to provide, not for us, but the economy and the environment, because if you take care of the land, the land will take care of you. As a quote from Franklin D. Roosevelt, a nation that destroys its soil destroys itself. Forces are the lungs of our land, purifying the air and giving fresh strength to our people. Ryan, you got to say two of the things one more time. And one is about, well, the first part, before you, you quoted uh, Roosevelt. Oh, the legend of Haloa? No, I mean, just the whole thing about... Oh, our uh, mission statement. Yeah, your mission statement. Our mission statement is Haloa Aina is a native Hawaiian forestry and education organization committed to economic prosperity and environmental responsibility, being guided by cultural values for a more sustainable Hawaii. And then following your mission statement, you, you just talked about, you know... Well, well, this I is why. Words out of your mouth, but I mean, um, about how you know, if you take care of the land, the land will take care of you, kind of deal. Like those, those. Yes, yeah, so that's just how it works. It's if you destroy the land, then how are you supposed to thrive? If you take care of it, then it will thrive for you. If you work together, both will be prosperity, and Absolutely. hopefully be perpetual. And that's how you create, that's why we're a reforestation project. Absolutely. Not a you know, and also, okay, so Mike, here's another question, too. Not that I'm a big ag guy, because honestly, I try to get out as many, get out of as many uh, plant classes and colleges as I could, but um, <laughs> with the sandalwood and, and the reforestation, is the watering, is that done by nature, or do you guys irrigate and have a watering system? No, because that would, that again, work? put us back into a farm. Um, the forest is far, it, It's a dry land forest, and what's really unique is to the tree that it is coping to, like a koa tree, which has a sickle. It's like an acacia, but it, has, it needs the mist. So we have um, lilinoi that comes through our mountain every evening, and it's just kwa'au. Lilinoi means heavenly mist. Lulinoi Lani means heavenly mist. Um, mystic mountain is Lulinoi. Kea. So we have this mist that comes through, and koa purposely is made, the trees and the leaves are made to catch the mist. And with that sickle cell type of leaf, 
it drips down water, continental and waters itself, just from clouds of it, not just by rain. So it makes the tree the perfect dry land forest tree because it doesn't take rain. It sucks it off of koa trees or hia trees that thrive in dry land forests. Okay, so this truly is sustainable. That's, that's why I want to get Yeah, it's a perpetual you know. forest. Yeah, all right, that's totally awesome. Totally yeah. awesome. Royal so, Hawaiian sandwood is a unique species found nowhere else in the world. Hawaii sandalwood holds a strong a story placed in ancient Hawaii's economy. Our kings and queens dating back to seventeen ninety seven traded sandalwood worldwide. The variety used by Holo Island Royal Hawaiian sandalwood, Santa Latum, is endemic to Hawaii Island, the big island, found in a montane four thousand to seven thousand dry environment. So the trees that it needs to focus into is Mamani, Nile, Koa, Ohia, and then there's a bunch of shrubs like Pukiave, the Aoale, and Aali. Our big island climate is ideal. These sandalwood trees can reach over 50 feet with a canopy diameter over 30 feet. Overage trees are 33 feet high and have canopies measuring around 22. Tests have shown the quality of Hawaiian Island Royal Hawaiian sandalwood far exceeds other varieties currently in the world market. Wow. Ryan, you're doing a good job painting a picture for me because I can actually like kind of vision how this looks. So now um, let's talk about the distillery because I've seen some pictures of some friends that have seen, um, you know, what you guys have going on there. So how does it work? I mean, when did you guys bring in the distillery? A, and we, we created the steam distillation processing because that was the only way to keep organically certified. So we use water, and we create a hydrosol, and it comes underneath what is it, like five bars of pressure, or 100 bars of pressure. So it's like a steam distillation. So with the steam distillation and the unique intensities you need for the wood, so you don't burn the oil, it has to sit at 200 degrees, and you can't go higher or lower. It has to sit right there, and you sit there for about 48 hours. So from... From pro- from first step to final step, it costs a lot of money. That's why the oil is so expensive. The steam distillation process is not a cheap processing unit, and we have five stills that are running pretty much full-time to create the oil that you guys need. But the steam distillation allows us to stay organic because it's water going through wood, through its high steam that creates a wet and dry steam that goes through a giant pressure cooker, if you would. It creates hydrosols and other byproducts, and we're a zero-waste policy company, so we use our hydrosols and soaps and jacuzzis if you're lucky enough to come up to the property, fill the large <laughs> jacuzzis up with hydrosols, and people love it. You know what? We better explain what hydrosol is, just in case someone thinks it's like something other than what we're talking about. Hydrosol is the steam distillation process. It's the byproduct of making the sandalwood oil. It's a floral water that is the base of almost every moisturizing lotion in the world. You know that first tingly feeling you get? It's because it has a chemical imbalance of too many electrons or neutrons that create this steam. The steam is therefore put through again and again and reused, and you create this hydrosol. The hydrosol is a steam that's put under lots of pressure that's turned back into a liquid with a slight chemical imbalance organically. And it creates a floral water that people put on their skin, um, 
And that's all I would use it for is skin use. Because <laughs> I know of other people that do it for other reasons. I have marketing research reports saying you can use it in other ways, but I would personally recommend just using it on your skin. <laughs> and it's great for your skin. It takes away from things that I've seen. It takes it helps people with acne. Huge. It uh, it's a very good cooling mist. It tightens your skin. It's like your base toners. You spray it on one arm, you feel how much smoother it is on that arm compared to your other arm. You're like, wow, I should be using this every day. Well, you look young, Ryan. So it must be working. <laughs> I trust. I trust stay young. You look just as young, aren't you? It's, well, you know, I do, I do try. And I actually, I do a lot of sandalwood and other things. But, yeah, I do. I'll admit. I will admit. <laughs> That's my secret. I'm actually That's your secret. I'm, I'm 94 years old, but, you know. Dude, you look like no, not a day older than 89. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it's working then. That's totally awesome. Yeah, it's, it's working astonishingly well for you. <laughs> Appreciate it. So what is, what is your official title? Is it, is it Honestly, is it district manager, or what do you do? I am the district manager for La'al Ala, and I'm the director of global marketing for Haloa Aina. So when you do global marketing, what do you do? Because there's a well, lot of people I, out there who think they'd like to be global marketing people. Well, you know, it's actually a very difficult task because I had to create. Well, I just used my, I picked my dad's mind and I put his thoughts onto paper. We had to look like a very rustic company because when you're going to these trade shows, you're dealing with some people that have been dealing with sandwich oil for hundreds of years. Some people, some countries, some companies older than our country. And you want to set, you know, and you, you're the new guy? You can't look new. You have, we had to put rustic tones, and people I almost forgot about Royal Hawaiian Sandwood, so we had to step onto the market as a new product, and people have never heard of Sandwood Paniculatum especially. So we had to come in there. We're not album. We're Paniculatum. We just test better in our alphas and betas. Our Sandwood oil is not considered carcinogen because we do not have farcinol in our product. Farsenol normally gets levied out with aged sandalwood oil. Our oil comes out without any. That's how you know it's ours. It's non-carcinogen. That's a big deal. It's a very big deal when, we, when you're dealing with a lot of different industries, especially people are applying it to their skin. Right. Especially for reasons like you said, you know, like well, what if they had something going on with the skin issue? You don't want anything yeah. on there that's gonna make it worse. Yeah, exactly. You don't. You don't. You, you can't think that it will make it better, but you can't think that it's gonna make it worse. You just gonna put it on and pray for the best. Right. But that's totally interesting that you talked about how, you know, when you're doing these trade shows, that you've got to be. You got to make it look. Oh, rusty, when I go. But at the same yeah. time, present it as a new product. Yes. It's like, Which, wow. This is very difficult. It was a challenge that I thought I did pretty good at. <laughs> um, what happens also is when you're going to a foreign country, you need to look up what's their color of sale, what's their color of interest, because every country has a different color, what numbers you cannot use. Like in China, you can't use a number 4 or 44, and in Japan, the number 4 if you go back to the young days, it goes, Ichi ni san yon, 
or she, she was a corporate for Jack. So they removed she from their numbers and used Yon as a new H. So you had to learn this. Before you can go into into a trade show that's successful, you need to understand their culture. And I normally read, like, basically their encyclopedia of their country. Like, all right, I'm going to Japan. Let me read about Japan. And I'll learn about Japan. Like, what, what, what is their colors? What are, what's the things I need to say to make sure I have a possible sale without saying anything? So, How do you right. spike interest? This is very intriguing for me. So when you do this, say, like, you go to Japan and you're doing a trade show or whatever, expo, mm-hmm. do you ever get feedback from the Japanese saying, you know, for a Hawaiian, do you understand this? From you know, some people who, who don't do their homework, you know, do you see them get shunned? Like, Yeah, no, you'll, you'll see people that go to these trade shows that didn't do their research, and they stick out like a sore thumb. And in some cases, that's great. And the way I like to stick out in a sore thumb is I, we wear Aloha shirts in our booths. We have a new product, but we kind of blend in. We see all our early colors, but the way we stick out, is the people presenting it because it's three very local people all wearing Aloha shirts. Everyone else is dressed in tuxedos. And you have three guys, four guys standing in Aloha print shirts with this nice welcoming scent and story behind it. Sometimes you have translators. We need translators. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. That makes sense, though. You got you to gotta like, make that Hawaiian look. Yeah, you're selling, you're selling not Hawaii. Bahamas, you're not Bahamas, but, you know, you're Aloha, yes. you're Aloha shirt. Mm-hmm. So you're selling part of Hawaii. You're not, you're selling, you have sandalwood oil, but you're also selling your story. You can't just, that, and that's the beauty of sandalwood oil. Because we have such a beautiful story behind the oil that you guys are purchasing, you have that ability to tell the story behind that oil, which gives it a higher price value. Even though, yes, we are the best in the market, but with the story behind it, it makes it that much better. It's like a cherry on top. Thank you, Ryan. Because people who are in the know about this, they know this one fantastic line. It's that facts tell, but stories sell. People always love a good story. They will always remember a good story. We always get lost in the facts and figures. And so you, <laughs> my brother, just nailed this on the head with that's exactly how you do this. It doesn't matter what it is. It's, and it could be the most expensive thing in the world or it could be the cheapest thing in the world. But if you have a great story behind it, people are going to be on board because they're going to remember that story. That's part of selling Hawaii. Made in Hawaii. Right. We're the only sandalwood oil in the world created in America. I'd, yeah, hats off to you guys because that's... It's a publicly thing. traded commodity... Everyone else, everyone else in the world, like except in North America, publicly traded like gold, silver, and diamonds. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Man. You can buy sandalwood stocks. In Australia, you can buy hectares to pay off your taxes for sandalwood. <laughs> uh, okay, so go into that. So, um, besides in Hawaii, where else is sandalwood grown? It is grown by the government in Australia. They have 800,000 hectares of sandalwood album. They have much more sandalwood oil, sandalwood than us, 
but their oil, they, they're doing it plantation style, so they purposely stress the tree. And the way they stress the tree is they go there with a sledgehammer or, or whatever. But in Australia, all of their shampoo products, their soap products, when you go to the hotel, they're made out of sandalwood. Interesting. I found that is also very interesting when I went to Australia. I was like, wow, there's, you, you guys got to really go in the haunt. You guys are fully governmentally backed. <laughs> yeah, so you can only figure out how to do it right, Bill. Yeah, they're, they're, they're figuring it out right, though. Apparently, they have, they have their whole country following in on it. That's amazing. Yeah. So, okay, so honestly, Ryan, though, how old are you? How old am I? I'm 30 yeah. years old. You're 30. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people are asking because they, they saw pictures. We put we actually put up the picture of me and you um, in Salt Lake City, like, you know, nice. dropping the hang 10. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure people are like, who is this kid Monty's with? But um, <laughs> I thought I'd just, you know, let it out of the bag. Ryan's 30. And so... Yeah. I still get, you know, I have my ID checked all the time. <laughs> yeah, so do I. It's like, really? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I take it oh, as a compliment man. now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you, here, here's my ID. What, you're this old? Yeah, yeah. Doing this something, a fake right? ID. <laughs> At least I don't look like a, well, I won't say that on the, on the line, but. Um, so, being 30 years old and having this, this huge, undertaking with with your family um there's gonna be a lot of stress so what oh, do you yeah. do to just chill out because honestly well, I go surfing. this kind of stuff could burn you out oh yes it definitely can burn you out oh man um yeah I, I rather i like to go surfing a lot and i like to do hikes but when you live in hawaii there's no reason to be indoors it's summer every day so it's either I'm going diving, I'm going fishing, or I'm going hunting, I'm going surfing. Whatever takes my mind off of what has to happen. Because at the same time, uh, I'm a co-owner in one of the number one fine dining restaurants on the Big Island called the Pool at the Manalani Beach Club. So that also is on the category. You're a co-owner of a restaurant? Uh-huh. I've opened up three restaurants in three years when I was 22, when I was 25. Um, I lost two restaurants. It drove me a little crazy, so I went into the sandalwood world. Yeah, dude, there's there's TV shows that talk about that explain people that that can't get can't get it right with their restaurants. Either they thought it was a good idea and have no clue, or no. Anyway, but see, the thing like, was, we we had no fault in either of the two restaurants closing. We uh, got corporately taken over by the other owner. I don't want to go into that because that drives me a lot of crazy. And then my first restaurant, the plumbing went out and the landlords wouldn't fix it. We told them we would fix it, but just take off the rent. They wouldn't agree to it, so we had to shut down. down. The one restaurant that we have all, all the control or most of the control over is thriving is now considered the number one on the big island. That's fantastic. So, yeah, you definitely. Oh, the restaurant world is very difficult. <laughs> very difficult. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't do it. Well, I have ideas, but I don't know. I'm very, <laughs> I'm, squ- I'm squirmish on that one. Probably because I've seen the TV shows of these these people with the restaurants having a hard time. But anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we you, see those TV shows. <laughs> we learn from the TV shows. <laughs> yeah, like learn from other people's problems. That's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you also told me that you dive too. Yeah, uh, I love to go spear fishing and free diving. Um, I like to get lobsters, which we have a very unique lobster in Hawaii. It's called spiny lobster. I personally find it much better than Maine because it has more flavor. And it's a little bit more, has a better texture. It's a little more firm than the Maine lobsters. I, I, I showed you a picture of the one spiny lobster I caught, and that's probably one of the yeah, biggest okay. ones I've had. It came up to like seven pounds. That's a seven-pound... Well, yeah. Seriously? Yeah, it's a seven-pound wow. lobster. I'll have to post and that then I shot a moo. Yeah. Yeah, so I shot a moo that night, too, which is a another very delicate fish in Hawaii that you steam. And it's a fish that has human molars, which makes them very unique. <laughs> and uh, my great-grandma, well, actually my grandma, I just call her Nana, she took my moo, and then she took my lobster. We we caught about 18 lobsters that night. She took my moo, she took my lobster, she took the tail, she took the miso, which is when it's in the head of the lobster. It's like the base of miso soups, I think. It tastes oh. very similar. Yeah. And she used that, and she steamed my moo with the lobster and all other kinds of fun stuff, and it was probably the best-tasting fish I've had in a very, very long time. That's what I'm talking about. That's awesome. Yeah, it was delicious. (laughs) (laughs) It's dinner time over there right now. (laughs) It is, it is, yeah. It's almost quarter to eight central time, yeah. Yeah, it's 2.30 over here, 2.45 in Hawaii. Yeah, you know, that's what I like about you, Ryan. When we were texting, and you're like, all right, because I told you, you know, CST is central standard time. You're like, okay, hold on. So what time is it right now over there? (laughs) <laughs> like, okay, five hours difference. All right, I got it. Don't have to worry about this, you know, different time zones. Let's just figure out how far apart we are. Well, that's that's the beauty of being in the international world is when you're in Hawaii, everybody's on a different time zone. That's why I asked the question, what time is it over there right now? So I can, and what, and if I'm dealing with China, what day is it? If I'm dealing with Rome, what day is it over there right now? That's what day and question, time is yeah. it? Right. Well, you, if you're sending emails out and you're calling somebody, you want to be on their time as well. And like, if you have to stay up to two in the morning to make sure that they're arriving in their office at eight thirty in the morning, then you stay up to two thirty in the morning to make sure that connection is solid. That's business. That's business. That's definitely Hawaiian business. I know that you guys don't work on normal times. You guys work <laughs> on everybody else's times. Well, it's a pleasure. We live summer every day, so. You go out and play during the day because everyone else is sleeping around the world. Then you come home and you go to work. Well, in the in the job that I'm doing. Right. <laughs> um. So, you know, I, I better check. No, I'm not going to check. Let's just keep going. With, with the sandalwood. Um, mm-hmm. You guys also do, and I don't know. Maybe this is like thinking too far in advance, but do you guys take any of the sandalwood wood itself and repurpose it as far as like um, beads, bracelets, malas? Yes, that, that is done by La'au Ala. Um, Halal Anna deals with just producing sandalwood oil, and then La'au Ala makes coasters, we make pens, we make soaps, and we 
we create all kinds of different objects, and there's lamps and bowls. There's a bunch of sandalwood products and coal products that we produce just because, you know, not everyone wants just the oil. Some people also want, and that's the beauty of sandalwood is it has the everlasting scent value, so it'll always smell that good. You're never going to lose that scent. So people are like, oh, do you guys have a bowl? And when we were having the diamond retreat up at the property, we, we, we showcased all of our pens and bowls and um, incense burners that are made out of, like, hollowed-out sandalwood logs, I guess you would say. And people were just loving the fact that they could have other products made of sandalwood, not just the oil. Brilliant. So, I mean, you guys are, like, 100% sustainable and just repurpose whatever you can repurpose. And Well, we, we're a zero-waste policy company, so, I mean... Just because the branch isn't producing us oil does not mean we can't turn it into a pen or a coaster or a lamp because every part, every part of the tree can be used. And that's what's really unique about sandalwood. The bark of sandalwood when the spa, at the spa, when the girl gets that dark red mud bath, that's the bark of sandalwood because it's a natural organic exfoliator and skin toner. So the girl gets into the bath, they come out, they're smoother and clean after the bath. And the leaves are turned into tea in China. The uh, branches are turned into or burned at ceremony events for different religions. Um, the log of the tree is turned into little Buddhas or God trinkets and stuff. And then the actual root ball of the tree is what we make most of our oil out of because that's what holds the highest amount of oil. So every part of the tree is used. Not one part of the tree is wasted. So in China, they actually use the sandalwood leaves for a tea? Yes. In China, we we sell a lot of our leaves to different people in China. They pay a very good amount for just the leaves of sandalwood because it makes this tea that makes people feel happy and giddy. Really? You just feel, yeah, you drink the sandalwood leaves and you drink that tea. I, when I was in China, I couldn't believe when the guy came up and put it in his tobacco pipe and smoked it. I had a bunch of powder out and a bunch of dust out. And he's like, can I take this? And he's like, I couldn't really understand a word he was saying. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And then he, like, stuffed it in his pipe and lit it. And I was like, what? What are you doing right now? He's like, what are you smoking, dude? <laughs> like, well, I guess you have. But then my Chinese translator, Ling, at the time, she was like, oh, no, yeah, they smoke it over here. I go, why? She goes, you feel happy and giddy. You know, like, when you smoke pot. And I'm like, I don't really smoke pot, but... So they got very similar, and I'm like, oh, so that's how they get high in China. Totally makes sense. <laughs> wow. All right. That. Wow. Okay. And then the I sandalwood. What would happen for... if you just smudged the leaves? Like your whole house would be happy and giddy. <laughs> well, the um, <laughs> what's the beauty of sandalwood? Why, why you're allowed to meditate? Like the um. Uh, what are those called? Gandhi, well, not Gandhi, but yogis. Yeah. Um, they allow to meditate for days on end. Because if you put sandalwood on your three eyes, and then you're burning the agar body, uh, the sandalwood stick, but they have giant incense sticks. So it's like a foot in diameter incense sticks, and they're made of just pure sandalwood. Sometimes just for the heart, but they cost a lot of money for that outer body. But those yogis are allowed to meditate for five or six days on end because what sandalwood does to you 
is it slows down your heart rate. It slows down your metabolism. If you're inhaling it, as the smoke, your body naturally calms down. Uh, okay, that's just... That's why yogis not? are so skinny. There you go. They don't have to eat because they're just cruising on sandalwood oil. My, I, like, I'm almost at a loss for words, and I'm thinking, really? Okay. <laughs> you know? I mean, we'll think nobody, about, ever, yeah. nobody talks about that. Why would they? Or I've done enough marketing research, you know, I've done enough research to be able to confidently talk about it. That's fantastic. All right. Well, I only have like, I don't know, five, ten minutes left. But so now you really got me excited. It's like, all right, so what are some other like unknown secrets that you could share? Oh, the un- the the funniest unknown secret that I found out was in India, um, 70% of sandalwood oil that is produced in India goes into chewing tobacco. The reason they put in the chewing tobacco is because they've noticed it prevents Indians or just prevents people from having mouth cancer. Really? So that's why they put it into their chewing tobacco because in India, a lot of people chew tobacco. So if you took like if you took like a grizzly can or a Copenhagen can and you put some sandalwood oil in there, why don't you be the test subject and tell me how that feels afterwards? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Okay. That's crazy. The so deep you, and I mean, the weird anybody who is listening intently could actually like kinda of deduct some of the properties that are going on with this also. But yeah. don't go there. I mean like I mean that's a testy down. subject. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's because it's big money. But, um, man, okay, that's amazing. Yeah, All if, right. you, if you were to go to, let's say, a tobacco company in America like Marlboro, and you told them about this, put the sandwich oil in your chewing tobacco, maybe your general warning wouldn't have to be as bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> That is a good one. Well, I suppose, all right, so you being 30, and you started, like, when you started doing this, you know, going to expos and and trade shows and, you know, kind of telling your your family story, how long have you been doing that that part of the business? Well, prior to me being allowed to do any of the trade shows, I went up and I lived being allowed. Define being right allowed, for, first of all, Ryan. Like you just said, being allowed to. I mean, what did it take for you to be allowed to even do anything? Well, you need to know and understand your product through and through. So the best way to find out all the information you wanted to find out was I had to become a logger. That means I needed to go into the forest. I needed to find which trees were able to harvest, why they were able to harvest, what made them better, which, what made an A log, a B log, or a C log, what created the best heartwood, what created, you needed to understand every step of the process. So when you're telling someone the price of the oil, to them, they're like, oh, that's a ridiculous price. But when you tell them the whole story of what it takes to make that one drop of oil, that 10-milliliter vial, then the understanding becomes more known. Like, you go out to the forest from, from tree to oil, it's like a two-week process. So you have to cut down the tree. You have to helicopter that tree back to the landing. 
you have to debark that tree. You have to use skaters to get the root ball to there. You have to pressure wash that tree, put in the Chinese debarker, and then you have to grant. You have to chip them with like a bandit chipper, and then from the bandit chipper, you have to granulate them to three eighths granulate size, and then you bake them. 250 kilos per steam distillation. Every run is $5,000 from start to finish because it's 40 hours. And we do it all organically. So it's a steam distillation process. So from beginning to end, to make that 10 milliliter vial, it costs a lot of money. And that's why you're allowed to tell that story now because you went through the entire process. And yes, because I've, I've, I've been in every step of the steps. I've been in tent, I've been inventorizing, I've helped create the oil, I've been part of the steam distillation process, I've been the logger that got the trees, I was part of the the people that put it onto the cable grip to bring it to the helipad, to bring it back. I've been the guy that pressure washed the bark off of the root balls. I've been the guy that threw the trees in the tiny debarker. Giant, it's like a 500 hammers that rotate in the circle, and it debarks the tree very quickly. And it spits them out. And it's very dangerous. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, I think about it. Yeah, and then you put that into a chipper. The chipper fills up the giant 300-kilo white uh, sack, and then you granulate that, and step by step by step, you get byproducts like the powder that goes into the outer body market, the chips that go, the sandwich chip that you burn as an incense, and then... Every part of the tree is used. Not nothing was wasted. The bark is captured and processed. The leaves are taken off of the tree and dried up to present as tea. We're a zero waste policy company. That is fantastic. So, do you have one more top secret thing that a lot of people like, especially Americans? that would just have no clue what's going on with um, what people use sandalwoods for. Um, we can't get into like anything like healing properties so much, but um, or even just uh, a random story. Uh, I know you got them, hmm. Ryan. If you've been doing these expos, <laughs> you've got stories. <laughs> Oh, I have stories. Yes, you have every type of story. But which one is publicly knowledgeable? Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's always a story. There's a story behind every tale, right? But um, I mean, you've had some great. I mean, you had. I mean, just you talking about. All right. So if you want to be a global business person, you better do your homework for every country that you want to be in because. Mm-hmm. Everybody operates different. Everybody thinks different. Everybody believes different. Um, you know, and just how, with the sandalwood alone, how many different ways you can use sandalwood, including the leaves. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you guys are, uh, there's no waste. You guys are, it's a it's a dried farm. When, when we first started the company, before we had, our oil distillation processing up on the site because we're a seed-to-oil production on-site company. But prior to making so we had that revenue to become to be able to do that. We were selling logs, and the people that we were dealing with were so picky. And then we realized that we went to their countries, and 
why are you guys even being picky? You just don't have anything. You just have shrubs or something with trees. But there'll be guys that come over that I only want A-grade logs. An A-grade log is a heartwood with 12 centimeters or more in diameter and are longer than six feet. So these guys would come over and after an A-grade log, which we sold at an X as a very good price, it would become a B-grade log if it had 12 centimeters of heartwood and it was only four feet long. So these tricky people would come over and ask us to cut the log right in half. Instead of just taking a biscuit off, to check it, they want us to cut it right in half. Therefore, we couldn't sell them at the A-grade price. We only sell them at the B-grade price. We caught on onto them afterwards, but we also made a couple of mistakes by sending we, we're uh, COD, but then we had to go to FOB because there's countries that would steal your sandalwood from you. Uh, to send to China, Taiwan, or India, the guys would pick up the sandalwood from Hawaii, which makes Hawaii really unique because we do not do international shipping. It has to go back to California first, and then it gets to go to Taiwan or Singapore or Australia, and they'll change out the containers and label them all different. They'll say it was pine or whatever to make sure that the product actually arrived at its destination. We didn't know that in the beginning, so we learned quickly. Uh, yeah, with stuff disappearing. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, when your company takes those, like, half-million, million-dollar hits, you're like, oh, God, what just happened? We just started out here. We can't have that happen. <laughs> no kidding. Especially, yeah, especially when you're first starting out. My goodness. Yeah. Well, do you have any final thoughts, Ryan? Because now we're at the top of the hour. Well, at the top of the hour, I'm going to quote Roosevelt again with the whole, I'm going to say, a nation that destroys its soil destroys itself. Forests are the lungs of our land, purifying the air and giving fresh strength to our people. That's why Hello Aina is a reforestation project. We take care of the land, and the land will take care of us. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you, and I appreciate your family. This is a great undertaking, and we all appreciate it. So now I'm going to introduce you, you to, like, sometimes the best part of the call, Ryan, is that I'm going to unmute the lines, mm-hmm. and everybody's going to say goodnight to you. And this is, like, this is so fantastically awesome. So... Hold on a second here.